This is a drink with a friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. And Seth is not here right now. So I am having a drink with a very good friend of mine by way of my husband. So we could call this a drink with a spouse. Hi, Kyle. Hello. What are you drinking this fine evening? Because it's evening time, as you just mentioned, um, I was thinking I still want to enjoy a cup of coffee. And then I remembered that the last time we were up in Oregon, we went to the Sisters Coffee Company in Sisters, Oregon, and got a bag of decaf beans. So I busted those out, made myself a cup of decaf coffee from using beans from Sisters Coffee Company. Nice. All right. How about you? That's good. Well, I am drinking a little bit uh, of a tipple to maybe kind of pay homage to what we're going to talk about. So I'm drinking a bit of Bailey's Irish cream. So I just poured myself a little, a few ounces through a cube of ice in, and I'm sipping it as we go. I don't normally drink this late at night, but it calls for the occasion because we're going to talk about something that we want listeners to join us on. But also, we will be celebrating 20 years of marriage in just a few days. And that's pretty wild. If listeners don't know, we are basically children. We met on a dirt road in Kosovo, I guess 22 years ago now. And we were both overseas. And for whatever reason good or bad, that's formed and shaped our relationship. This idea mm-hmm. of travel and exploring different cultures and things like that. So we thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk about sort of why travel matters in context of family and marriage. Kyle, why don't you yeah. start us off with some of your thoughts? Um, okay. So the thought that I've had is why do we travel? Why do we have this desire to go someplace else or why do we even think that just going to someplace else is a good thing and the thing that i kind of boiled it down to is that the experiences of when i've gone overseas or i've gone to new places that your senses are just put on hyper awareness And so you notice the smells, you notice the sounds, you notice the way that people dress, unlike in the, like where you normally live, you know, you don't notice those things. Those things have then become tertiary or even, you know, further in the background of just the things that you're aware of, which makes, you know, day-to-day life livable because if we were aware of those things all the time we would just be exhausted and i think that's why traveling sometimes just is exhausting Mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons but um that was the first one that kind of came to me just that sense of being aware of what is different Mm -hmm. so uh so tish how does for you travel make you a better spouse and a a better mother. 
Well, I've done travel both on my own and with you guys as a family. You know, I think a number of listeners might know about our trip around the world in 2014-15 when as a family we traveled in one direction, each of us carrying a backpack, and we spent a school year world schooling by way of learning from the globe. And so you and I were not on vacation. We were working the whole time and also homeschooling the kids, world schooling the kids as we spent a school year going to 30 different countries, that whole thing. Clearly, we have traveled together as a family. I also, and as part of my work, I lead pilgrimages once a year. So I've done a couple trips I called Literary London. I did um, The Way of Beauty with Seth and Amber Haynes this past mm-hmm. summer in Tuscany. And then this next summer, you and I are leading a trip together to Ireland, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And so I've done a mix of travel on my own and travel with a family. And no matter how I slice it, whether I'm on my own or whether I am with you guys, I am made more keenly aware of my primary vocation, which is wife and mom. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you take the open-ended, pretty loose definition of vocation being how your life speaks, it's our primary way we move about the world. It's how we um, basically give the message to the world that we've been given by God. So it's how our life speaks. Uh, if we're married, by definition, that's our primary calling. And I won't get into that too much now. That's a whole other topic. But so for me, it, it's interesting because every time I go someplace, I'm I'm thinking with a writer hat or with a reader hat. But every time I'm at a place, I think ultimately a lot more about how a place or just how it forms me and shapes me, helps me um, become more of who I'm made to be. And if I'm made to be your wife and these kids' mom – then it can't help but form me more into the person I'm supposed to be for you guys as well as Mm -hmm. for me. So I I go in with this idea of like, what do I want to learn from this place, from Italy, from Ireland, from Asia or whatever? And it can't help but then actually form my character when I travel. Like I become a better person, but not because I'm a great person, but because that's just what travel does. Right. Could you give an example, like when you were in Italy this past summer of, you know, you going to a place and realizing that this place is forming you because you are there? So the theme of our time in Italy was beauty, right? The way of beauty. It was with this idea of Italians and the history in Italy has all been shaped by beauty and this pursuit of of leading with beauty in your life. And we all know about the classic, beautiful things of Italy, right? The food, the wine, the lay of the land in Tuscany, and also the literal art and architecture, the history there. And I was struck, you know, standing in these amazing cathedrals, thinking about our own home a lot of times, thinking about, you know, like when I was sitting in a pew and just looking around at all the art, I was picturing myself back in our own home, back in my Mm. regular world where I do not have Botticelli's hanging on my wall, right? But I was reminded of, okay, beautiful things matter in my regular life. Adding beauty to our home actually is important. It's not an afterthought. It doesn't need to look like this. It doesn't need to be an ornate cathedral, but it needs to lead the way in our family, because it actually forms our hearts and souls. And, and the people of the Renaissance, the 
ancients, they knew this. And I think we've kind of forgotten in our postmodern world. And so I, you know, that's just a quick example, but I was reminded of things like that. I'm also reminded, you know, anytime we travel anywhere and how slow, how much slower things tend to be, mm-hmm. um, especially for us Americans, you know, in Italy, you, you remember this, you will eat dinner and it takes three to four hours. It is not a quick, right. you know, slam back the food and be on your merry way. It's one course at a time over hours. And I'm not saying every family meal has to be that way, but it was a reminder mm-hmm. of the importance of good conversation over food. You know, that this isn't right. just a thing that we should enjoy when we're traveling in Europe. We should actually take some of this home. You know, what does it look like to spend time around the table just leisurely chatting with the food being the centerpiece, but not the real thing we walk away remembering? Um, so yeah, there's there's just a lot of little things that we can experience both by traveling and by being cross-cultural that I think form mm-hmm. us as humans and shape us into who we're meant to be. Right. Yeah. I like that. The idea of like, you're taken out of your normal context. You're seeing new things, you know, old things, but you're seeing things that you normally aren't seeing. You start to see yourself differently. And as you see yourself differently, you start to question, okay, what are those parts of me? Mm -hmm. Well, and you start questioning, you don't question like, should I have this or not? But you start realizing some of these things that make travel so great don't have to stay just in your world of travel. An easy example is walking. You know, when you travel, you just tend to walk more, especially in Europe, right? You just walk and walk and walk. Um, And then we come back home and we sit at our desks. And it's Uh just these little things, you know, and I guess this applies whether you're married or not, right? But you just come back and you realize, wait, I can explore my own town on foot in the same way I do these little villages in Europe or these side streets in Asia, like this, this doesn't have to be just outside my culture. I can take some of this home with me. Right. I remember back in, oh, I'm trying to remember if it's 89, 99. I think it was 1999. I went to Albania and it was my first time to Europe. I was in a village helping to do some reconstruction projects and as a lunch, what the locals would bring is a piece of bread with a chunk of cheese in it and tomato. And it was delicious. And so I was trying to figure out what the kind of cheese was. And I, and I discovered that it was Gouda. Mm. So when I got back to the States and I was back doing my construction job, I actually would pack bread, Gouda, and tomato. And I'd sit there and like and slice up the tomato and you know, put it in a little dinner roll kind of bread thing. And the contractor I was working with was just like, what are you doing? (laughs) When I was over in Albania, this is what we had and it was good. And so I'm just like, can I recreate that here? Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing things that I've experienced overseas. Mm -hmm. Um, and even just traveling with the kids, like the slowness, the extra time that I take with the kids or the extra time I take with you as, you know, we're both either just adjusting to being in a new location or exploring. I know that you're trying to soak in 
what you're looking at or, you know, experiencing as well as I am. And I think that just builds in some patience. Um, it builds in common experience as well that, um, that it, it, there is that idea of like when you're traveling by yourself, you're like, Hey, look at that, you know, beautiful mountain and there's really no one to share it with. And you're kind of mm-hmm. bummed a little bit. There's times where it's like, I'm glad I just get to soak this, you know, scenery in by myself. But there is some of that just missing out. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring that up because when we talk about going on a group trip, I think a lot of us, you and me included, might kind of scoff at that a little bit or it might ruffle our feathers just to think about like why (laughs) would I do that when I'm an introvert or when I like to travel how I like to travel or I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this or what if the people are really annoying or what if it feels like I'm just you know cattle and I can't go where I want to go um so I can imagine because I, you and I have been there that that's kind of mm-hmm. the feeling some people might get about something like this. What's been your experience right. in, in group, you know, traveling with friends or even like almost near strangers who eventually become friends because of that travel? Right. Um, when you're in a group, it's very beautiful in a way of you get to see other people's reactions. Other, you get to hear of other people's experiences. And so it just brings more insight. It brings more um, more opportunities for seeing something not only in just three D, but you know another the emotional dimension, um, and then even just other emotional dimensions of other people reacting with that. Mm-hmm. So one of the nice things I find about traveling as a group with like-minded people is that you get that experience of of a shared experience where you can then like talk about it either before or afterwards or even during it, you know. But mm-hmm. you can also you also enjoy the freedom of getting to enjoy something the way it's best for you. So if you're feeling really not up for a particular activity on the itinerary that day, you don't have to go. You know, you can just wander the village on your own. If you're in a museum and you feel like, okay, this group is taking a really long time at this particular work of art, you don't have to stay. You can wander the hall next to it, you know, because we're all adults. We're not being treated like like kids on a field trip or anything. And so you get kind of the best of both worlds, right? You get the freedom and autonomy to be a responsible adult in charge of yourself. But then you get to like go experience a cool lunch that you would otherwise not know about because the trip guide, you know, planned it. And you get to experience it with other people and you get to talk about what you just did. And it adds that layer of dimension, I think, to making it a little, I don't want to say realer, but kind of. And, you know, we, we've talked about this before, but I think one of the more beautiful things, this side of heaven is the idea of having meaningful conversations in meaningful places. You know, there's, there's a difference between talking about something you just saw at the Louvre um, after, I don't know, flipping through a book on your coffee table about the Louvre in your living room and talking about something you saw at the Louvre at a french bistro right outside the museum in paris 
over wine right. and an amazing meal, you know? Yeah. And so it just it, adds yeah. that dimension. And you're getting to do it with people that, honestly, you probably would never meet. And that sounds, you know, that could sound kind of intimidating to some people. But in mm-hmm. my experience, like doing this several times now, it ends up being the best thing, like meeting some really cool people and having some really cool experiences with people. Right. You know, I think there's there's something about community that pulls you out of a, a rut or challenges the way that you think about things that helps you almost suck the marrow out of life at that t- at that moment. Yeah. I think that so many people are lonely and they don't even know they're lonely. Like when you hear that word, you think, eh, that I don't fit that demographic. I am a busy wife and mom or no, I've got a group of friends here, but we're still actually lonely. We're lonely for shared experiences. We're mm-hmm. lonely for that sucking the marrow out of life idea. And we don't know it. And we don't know it until we actually start getting that cup filled. And then we realize how lonely we've been. And I think experiences like traveling with kindred spirits of sorts are what help us notice that. And so I think that's a nice segue to what we're offering, basically Drink with a Friend listeners and commonplace readers. And that's the opportunity to pilgrimage with you and me, because we are leading a trip to Ireland next summer, and I'm very excited about it. Seth and his wife, Amber, may or may not come. They just don't know yet. They're trying to figure that out. But we for sure are going, and we're bringing our kids. And so this is basically an invitation for listeners to join us and if they want to bring their kids along because there will be other kids. Now there's a little asterisk by that, that um, the group that we are um, joining forces with to make these trips happen, select international. They recommend that kids need to be old enough to be able to walk for an extended period of time, like a couple hours. (laughs) So I would recommend perhaps not your baby or toddler, Um, but you know, your mileage may vary. We could talk about that. Um, but yeah, we just want to extend this as a invitation to perhaps let our families get together. You know, if you're feeling that loneliness or that just sense of loss of a kindred spirit, that maybe if you like what I write about, if you like what I talk about on the podcast with Seth, you might like traveling with me and my family. Um, you know, we're imperfect and quirky just like you, but, uh, I don't know. You might like it. And I'm also going to add to that or travel by yourself. Like you don't need to bring your whole family. Like I've said before, I've gone alone and it's made me a better wife and mom as well in my vocation. So I'm not at all implying that you have to bring your whole family or not at all. In Italy, we there was a whole motley crew of people and that was the best part. And that's kind of what I mean about this delight of group travel. We could not have planned this group better if we tried. We had all the way up to an 80-year-old widow down to people in their 20s and everything in between, married couples, mothers and daughters, singles, everything in between. It was fantastic. So, Kyle, what are you looking forward to about Ireland next summer? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long while since I've been over to Europe and I miss I I miss the way that it makes me a better person. I miss the way that it 
makes me view the world, view myself, view my family in a place where there is such history. I've never been to Ireland. Um, I'm looking forward to learning about that place, learning about what life is like and seeing how it just changes me, seeing when I come back home, how how do I see things differently? And I will say, just having traveled with you a lot, it's not so much like you take on a different personality, but I think we all do <laughs> kind of have a travel personality. And yeah. you do bring out a really good side in a lot of people in, when we travel. You're very laid back and you're very open to adventure, but not in a uncalculated risk kind of way, like in a healthy risk right, sort of way. Right. You're good at that. And I'm looking forward to you bringing that angle to a group trip, you know, that yeah. perhaps we'll have people who don't travel a lot, or perhaps we'll have people that travel all the time. But regardless, you bring this nice laissez-faire, yet, hey, while in Dublin, do as the Dubliners do kind of attitude that I really appreciate. Yeah. So Tish, what are you looking forward to in Ireland? Well, I have been to Ireland a few times, but I haven't done much of it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more of it. To me, there is something about the land that really makes it what it is. Now, I'm not speaking as an expert at all. In fact, I'm looking forward to reading books about Ireland in the months to come leading up to our trip. But I'm looking forward to exploring the island with my kids. It's mm -hmm. a pretty outdoorsy place. It's It's rugged. It's somewhat adventurous. It's somewhat uh, laid back. And those are all things I think our family does well. And so I'm looking forward to just these smaller moments uh, in like Irish villages, on the ruins and islands, things like that, on the land itself. Um, honestly, when I look at the itinerary, I just look forward to these moments, both with you guys and with you know, some friends that I I know are interested in coming and also just the friends we don't know yet that will be coming with us. I think every day has some potential bonding opportunity, some potential really great conversation to have that I think God is just sort of preparing for us to have, whoever it is that's meant to be on this trip. So yeah. if you don't mind, I'm just going to quickly run through our itinerary just to let the listeners know what you could expect. And I'll, I'll do it quickly. So there, there's links for more details if you want to know the specifics. We're going to start with going to the oldest whiskey distillery in the world, Irish whiskey distillery in the world, I should say. And we're going to do some whiskey sampling and that'll be fun. I'm not quite sure what we'll do with our kids then. We'll figure it out. Maybe they'll just go wander <laughs> the villages together. I don't know. Um, so from there, we also go to this village called Westport. Some people might want to go visit um, this place called Our Lady of Knock, but those who would like to just explore a little Irish village, we're going to go to Westport, walk around, see castle, some pubs, uh, take a scone making class, and it'll just be a very laid back day. I think every day we have uh, time to just explore and chill, and that's very much a priority of mine and yours because we like mm -hmm. to we like to be in places where we're just enjoying the place itself and not necessarily checking a whole lot of boxes, you know, on a to-do right. list. After that, we're going to hike St. Patrick's. It's, I don't know how to say it. Crow Patrick, someone who knows Irish can tell me. 
Um, but basically it's St. Patrick's Mountain. And it's where St. Patrick himself spent 40 days praying and fasting. So we're going to go up to the top where there is a, a little chapel and we'll have a picnic lunch up on the greens. And then we'll head back down to Galway, which is the town we're going to spend a good chunk of our time in. And we're going to enjoy some music and explore the town on our own, however we want to do that. The day after that, we're going to have a day trip to some of the islands and uh, specifically Innismore. Again, not sure on the pronunciation, but <laughs> it's the largest of the Aran Islands. And it's famous for those, you know, cable knit wool Irish sweaters. And so we'll be on a ferry for that. And then we'll visit some stone ruins and um, some more pubs and some more free time in the evening to explore and spend the night in Galway again. We're also the next day going to go to uh, some farmland and meet some sheepdogs who are known for watching over the sheep in that area. And we're going to learn about farming and what it's like in Ireland. And then we'll wander through some villages and then go to a historic castle where we're going to have some tea, uh, like the traditional afternoon tea. Um, it's been going on since 1868. And then again, leisurely evenings. And then after that, this day I think sounds especially cool. So by we're on day seven at this point, just so you know. Um, we're going to go to a local's home and he's going to invite us in, he and his family, and we're going to have some home-baked treats and listen to some poetry and storytelling and live music in their home. Yeah. And from there, then we're going to go visit the Cliffs of Moher. And then, so those are like the famous, you know, they look like the Cliffs of Insanity. I'm not sure if that's where <laughs> it was filmed, but, uh, and then we're going to learn about Irish coffee and have a coffee making demonstration and learn about the history of it at a historic pub. And then we are going to have a traditional medieval dinner that night. Not sure what, in, what is entailed by that, but we will find out. Oh, that's uh -huh. good. I know. So after that. We're going to explore famous places where kings and bishops were coronated for 900 years in Ireland. And then we'll go to Glendalow, which is an ancient monastic site. And that's it's very well known. I've been there before, and it's beautiful. Just the ruins and the scenic lay of the land, it's, it's beautiful. And there's a lot of legends about the place founded by St. Kevin. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Uh, and then we'll, by that time, meander our way to Dublin. And then the last two days we'll be in Dublin and we're going to be doing some different things there, uh, including a lot of time just to explore the city on our own, visit the Guinness um, headquarters. And then we're also going to enjoy some dancing lessons, like some traditional Irish dancing lessons. So Ooh. I'm just hitting the high points. There's more details yeah. in the links. But anyway, that is what we'll be doing. I think it sounds fantastic. I think it's a good way of seeing Ireland. I think it's a fantastic way to see I Ireland. And I will say this, and this sounds very like, um, what do you call it, QVC or infomercially. <laughs> it's actually not that expensive. Like, oh. this is one of the benefits of joining forces with a group uh, company. Not only do I actually really like this company, and they do such great work, and they put together great trips, but they actually get um, – 
deals that I could not get in creating this trip. So this trip costs less than the trips I would lead in London. Um, yet we're doing a whole heck of a lot. So I think it's a really reasonable price. And I think a lot of people would enjoy it. And I hope a lot of people do come. I think it would just be a lot of fun. Sounds great. It does. Yeah. It does. All right. Um, so I actually had one question for you, Tish. Uh, yes. You mentioned that you've been to Ireland before. Could you mm-hmm. tell like the context for that? Just so that people... I can. Yeah. Sure. I've only been twice. Both times I was single. It's before I met you. Uh, one of the times was right after college. And so I went with a girlfriend when we were on basically our like celebration. Yay, we graduated college trip. Mm-hmm. And I spent some time there. And then this, uh, it was like around the UK. We backpacked around the whole UK. And then the second time, I want to say it was just a year or two after that, I went with a group of friends for spring break. So there were, I think, 10 of us. <laughs> and we went there uh, and we had a great time. But it was a very whirlwindy kind of trip. And I look forward to doing Ireland much slower, much more mm-hmm. laid back and kind of as a grown up. I think it'll be nice. Right. So you were early 20s then? Totally early 20s. Yeah. Totally early 20s. Nice. Yeah. So I think I'll have a different experience this time. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I will put a link to all the things about the trip in the show notes. And I'm trying to remember the hard dates. I know the dates of the trip is uh, they're July 15th through 25th, 2023. In terms of like the deadline of when you can sign up, you've got some time but the sooner you sign up, the better, because there is a limited amount of space. So if you're thinking of going and you're not sure, maybe you wanted to go to Italy and you saw the, the pictures and the read the newsletter and you thought, ah, I definitely want to go next time. Now's your time to sign up. So do it sooner than later. That's what I say. All right. So Kyle, Seth and I, as you know, since you edit this podcast, usually end our chats talking about one thing that is adding more beauty to our days. So Kyle, what is that thing for you right now? Um, So I am doing one of the hardest things that I have done in a really long time. And that is teach woodworking at the kids of school. So twice a, twice a week, uh, I go in and for an hour, um, usually there's a a couple other dads that will come in and help me. We, uh, try to teach an art to kids by the way of woodworking and, (laughs) actually been a lot of fun because we'll say, okay, we're going to be built, you know, be making these or doing this. And we have 11 kids in the class and there will be 11 totally different variations of that (laughs) one thing. So we start off with just simple, like, okay, let's just make easy toolboxes, you know, a box with a bottom and a, a handle on it, um, like a kind of almost like a closet rod dowel thing, and it right. was amazing to see the creativity of all the kids. Um, some had 
murals on there and they're completely finished. Other kids, they didn't quite finish, but they tried to do, or, but they did a different technique of joinery on the toolboxes. So that kind of slowed them down. Um, some kids, um, yeah, just different aspects, you know, just the finishing that some people did that, like Japanese torching. It was mm-hmm. just really neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much the, that time with teenagers helps us or is a benefit to us, even if we think we're there to teach them. <laughs> yeah. I find, I find teaching high schoolers or just being around adolescents really forms and shapes me as a person. Right. Yeah. I often think I'm going to go in and humble these, you know, (laughs) big headed high schoolers. And then I'm the one that gets humbled. Right. Yep. So what's been adding more beauty to your life recently? Well, it's kind of a silly one because it's been a bit since we have watched it, but I went ahead and bookmarked it in light of what we talked about on this chat, uh, namely Ireland. So there's a show that we really like as a family. In fact, I think I have talked about it on the podcast before, and it's called Somebody Feed Phil. It is a a Netflix series that started on PBS, and it's with Phil Rosenthal, who is this goofball of a guy who travels around to different places eating. Like he just loves the food in these different places, but it's also a travel show in a way. And think of it to me as like Anthony Bourdain, but like in a good mood or like (laughs) um, if he were just full of dad jokes. So he's a total cornball, but he's a delight. And Mm -hmm. specifically, there's a great episode in Ireland. And so I'm going to link in the show notes to the Ireland episode. I think it's a really good one. Uh, Just even, you know, even if you're not, thinking you want to go on the trip just to watch it, just to get a feel for just Irish culture, just the lay of the land, just, you know, I don't know, enjoying the small ordinary moments of a different place. It's a great show. And the Ireland episode is, is really one of the better ones. So somebody feed Phil in Ireland. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining me in this random late night chat, babe. All right. It's time to wrap this up. I'll be back here with Seth before you know it. In fact, the next episode, we actually have Seth with a friend. So uh, he and I will be back together in a couple episodes. But you can find this episode as well as all episodes at adrinkwithafriend.com. And you can also find there how you can help support the show by picking up the next round of drinks. As you know, the show is free for you to listen to, but it's not free for us to make. So at the cost of a cup of coffee or a pint, you can help us keep it going. Again, that's at adrinkwithafriend.com, which is also in the show notes of this episode. You can find me and how to connect with me, especially via my newsletter at tishoxenwriter.com. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by one Kyle Oxenwriter. And I'm Tish Oxenwriter sitting here with him. Seth Haynes and I will be back here with you again soon. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.